All right, it's the week of Thanksgiving or November 20th, 2022, and this is the Fight Business Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Ogier, and today we are recording on the 20th, a little bit late because we need to discuss the ever-evolving MMA gambling controversy with Derek Minner, James Krause, and the UFC. Learned some new information over this weekend. It's a developing story, but at this point, we need to take a look at what the exposure is for both of the fighters as well as the UFC, if it has any exposure at all. So we're going to break down that, and that's going to be the meat and potatoes of this episode. Next, we're going to talk about Mark Shapiro's comments regarding UFC streaming renewal rights. So he's made a couple comments that echo what Ari Emanuel has, but with rights coming up in a year, there's now an open door policy with Disney to discuss those renewal rights. I'm going to explain what that means and why he strategically did this at this point, because make no mistake, those comments were very strategic and part of a greater business plan. Then we're going to do our quick hits. And finally, we're going to talk about the fragility of UFC cards. Are they turning hardcore fans off? We saw Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak fall out last minute on Saturday, and you had a fair amount of hardcore fans complaining is the UFC at risk of having those fans turn off their content? We'll break down what the risk is there as well as what would happen if they did. With that in mind, we got timestamps at the bottom as always, and let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, first up, we've got to discuss the ever-evolving situation with the gambling controversy that was the Derek Minner uh chilean fight again i'm not going to try and pronounce the first name i butcher it every time so talked about this a couple weeks ago when this first came out and the investigation was starting i actually mentioned james krauss's name and now that's a big focal point of what's happening here but to catch you up in case you are unfamiliar with the situation november 6 Derek minner goes into a ufc fight injured betting odds swing wildly in favor of Minner's opponent, so much so that they trip several sports books thresholds of suspicious activity. Those sports books then report to gaming authorities as well as to the UFC, and an investigation is launched because Minner was clearly injured. Clearly, people knew about it because you had a lot of heavy money coming in very, very late, all the way up until the fight. Um, very big deal especially with a lot of people saying first round KO and a lot of money being put there. That's a big red flag. So this past Saturday, Miles Johns had a fight. He wins and states in his post-fight interview that his coach was suspended and couldn't be in his corner tonight. Well, it doesn't take a lot of digging to figure out that his coach is James Krause. And while he's not actually suspended, according to ESPN, um, the UFC and Nevada State Athletic Commission did think it was a good idea for him not to be cornering anyone while he's currently under investigation. Now, remember a couple weeks ago, um, or even a week ago, I forget. Uh, yeah, a week ago uh, or so, when asked about this at the UFC 281 press conference, one of the scrums, Dana White said, no, they couldn't pin it on anybody. This was nothing. This certainly sounds like Kraus is under investigation, right? Um, it doesn't sound like nothing, at least for Krauss. Uh, and, and on top of that, 
According to a report, the New Jersey Division of Gambling Enforcement sent a notice to the state sports books instructing them not to offer betting on any fight involving Kraus as a coach, trainer, promoter, or fighter. So that means that technically they sent instructions like don't bet on Miles John's fights, don't bet on these. And and you did see odds for John's fight this past Saturday, but that's a big deal. That's a big red flag. And they're they're certainly looking into it in terms of Kraus as, as a potential you know, target of this investigation. So you've got all that going on. On top of this, according to ESPN, the Nevada State Athletic Commission is also planning on disciplining Derek Minner for not disclosing an injury before his bout. That's a little bit out of character. I know they just recently did the Ilir Latifi three-month suspension or so because of um, you know, his, I think staff, right. But uh, it's NSAC really doesn't tend to get involved in these things, right? You couple all this new information with the fact that a couple weeks prior to the Minner fight, the UFC sent out that memo, Hunter Campbell sent out the memo that said, you know, coaches, trainers, training partners are prohibited from, you know, friends and family close friends and family, I guess, are prohibited from betting on a fighter. Fighters are prohibiting from betting on themselves um, from here on out. It all seems a little suspicious in the timing, right? Coincidence? Hard to say. So let's break this down. Um, let's talk about first Minner, then Krause, and then the UFC's exposure, if there is any exposure at all, in terms of legal troubles. This is serious stuff. I mentioned that last time I, I talked about this when the investigation was first launching. If there is found to be collusion or any kind of whiff of fight fixing, this could tank not only the UFC's perception and stock where sponsors could pull, there could be a whole thing in that regard, but it could definitely hurt Endeavor's ever-growing business of trying to get into the sports gambling world. Right, they got IMG Arena for a reason. They want to be a player in that realm. If their biggest crown jewel subsidiary is found guilty or involved or even perceived, right? We've talked about perception a lot on this show. If there's a perception of impropriety, that can really hurt them. So, when it comes to Derek Minner, he's probably going to get a suspension or some kind of fine, right? Going in. Uh, without the injury, but it's it's hard because Minner is certainly not the first fighter to do this. In fact, TJ Dillashaw, right, did that not too long ago at all in a title fight of all things. And the main reason is because it's show and win money, right? If you don't step into the cage, you don't even get half your paycheck. And you still have to pay for the camp. You still have to pay for coaches and training and all that fun stuff. It doesn't just go away if you pull out, right? Those are still costs that get added that then have to come out of your next paycheck. So even if Minner is going into that fight injured and thinks, okay, I'm in trouble, going to be hard for me to win this, he's still at least getting half his paycheck just by getting in there. Fighters go into fights injured all the time. How many times have you heard a fighter win a hard close 
you know, hard close fought fight or lose a close fight and say, you know, well, I was actually going into this with a bad knee injury or my back was messed up or, you know, couldn't quite do this or that. And Francis Ngannou, how many champions, right? Francis Ngannou knee was just completely messed up and he ends up fighting. He wins, but I mean, he was not a hundred percent and I'm sure he didn't disclose that necessarily to, uh, the athletic commissions, right? I mean, so the fact that Nevada is trying to come in here and say, Oh, well, Derek made it into, mm, we all know that if there isn't that crazy swing in the betting lines prior to that fight, this is just, you know, Oh, he was injured. We all know that. I mean, hell, that's what happened with TJ. TJ just kept it close to the vest and it didn't get out there but he was clearly compromised and that could arguably have been worse in terms of, you know, that's a title fight. There's probably more action on that type of fight than a Minner versus Chilean prelim. Right. So yeah, it's, it's kind of dog and pony show, which is normal, right? Um, if you are caught in a bad situation, where you know you messed up with corporate controls or sport controls or whatever. And I, I said corporate controls because my you know brain is on the mind of the old FTX stuff. So if you know anything about that, this applies here. If you are caught in a bad situation, first thing businesses do is immediately try and rectify it and show that they tried to rectify it to limit exposure. That's what's happening with the NSAC suspension. And I think that's probably what's happening with Hunter Campbell's. In fact, no, you know what? I'm going to say that's 99% what's happening with Hunter Campbell's memo that was sent out to fighters and whatever, because this has been running rampant for a while. ESPN, uh, David Perdue and Mark Ramundi did a great piece. I highly recommend you go there uh, to, to check it out. Great article on gambling that's just running rampant in the MMA community with coaches and fighters and all this stuff. Uh, it's been going on for a long time and no one said anything. My guess is again, some gaming authority, somebody higher up in the government said, Hey, you need to, you know, crack down on this. This is an issue or, you know, something happened from an internal legal perspective where one of the lawyers for the UFC top counsel said, look, we got to protect ourselves here. And then that was sent out. And luckily it was sent out for them before this Minner fight, but it's still kind of a, Oh yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. We better, you know, clean up our act now really quickly. We didn't, you know, do anything wrong. Technically, look, we sent this out and it was always known, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it's that, CYA that cover your ass as fast as you possibly can. Right. That's what the UFC did with that memo with Minner. You can't really blame him too much. Kraus, on the other hand, this is where things get far more dicey because James Kraus had this discord going where I think he paid $50 a month or something like that. Uh, and they would, be in this huge discord channel and cross would tell people who to bet on how much to bet on. 
there are reports from people in that channel. I, I can't verify if they're, you know, 100% legit or not, but things I've heard are that, you know, Kraus would really pump up one guy and then bet the other way. So he'd tell everybody like, hey, you got to bet this good, end up getting odds he liked and then went the other way. Again, unconformed re reports on that. So take that with a big grain of salt. But if that's true, that's not great. Um, if he was the one to leak the Minner fight information, right? Also, a lot of exposure there. Because if it comes back to your coach leaking that you have an injury and then a bunch of people come in heavy paying paying against your opponent, that that's not ethically great, right? What laws and violations you have are kind of a gray area right now, but it's certainly something that's gotten the attention of obviously the New Jersey gaming uh, authority, as well as other commissions. The fact he was also pulled from cornering and is the target of this investigation. Also not great. Um, and it's something where, again, this is Kraus is not the only one. Do not delude yourself into thinking Kraus is the only person doing all this gambling because he's not. But he was certainly the most vocal and he had that giant discord and he's the one out there cor cornering, coaching, training guys. He just happened to, you know, get caught, so to speak. Now, what, if anything, will happen to him is still very much up in the air, right? Let's say that he leaked the information and it's traced back to him that he leaked Minner's injury. Well, my guess is he gets in trouble and probably violated uh, a couple of things there. I would imagine he's suspended from the UFC, he gets fined, all these other things. Uh, it's not going to be like baseball, right? Or other sports where it's like, oh, you bet on, it's not a Pete Rose situation where it's, oh, you bet on, you bet on fighters, you're banned for life. No, um, but he could get released if there's enough scrutiny, right? If gaming authorities come in and say like, he, this was rampant corruption. This is a huge problem. The UFC will want to cut ties with him. If they come back and say like, hey, we're going to find him like 20 grand, he should get suspended. They'll do that. UFC is going to play to whatever these gaming authorities, state gaming authorities want to do, right? They, they don't want trouble in the end. That's that's their end goal is protect themselves. If they can protect Kraus and Minner in the process, great. But if they can't, they will cut Kraus and Minner in a heartbeat and protect themselves. That is rule number one of corporate legality. <laughs> it, it is an interesting situation. Um, and when we talk about, again, the exposure the UFC has here, the only way that they're really going to be in trouble, as far as I can tell, is pretty much if Kraus told the UFC they were injured, UFC executives then bet against Minner and then it got out from UFC executives or higher ups or so on and so forth uh, that Minner was injured and then that caused a huge swing. That would be a problem, I would imagine. But otherwise, it's one of those things where like, yes, 
we need tighter controls. We will do tighter controls, probably more than a memo if it causes enough of a big stink. Um, but we're not going to get fined necessarily unless there are rules that state, like as a promoter, you have to put certain things in place, which there might be. Um, again, this is somewhat out of my depth. I do plan on talking to good friend of the show, uh, Dan Lust, about this, asking him a couple questions regarding this. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting interesting topic, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to both Minner Kraus and ultimately the UFC because I I don't think the UFC gets hurt badly here. I think in a worst case scenario they start putting in some stronger internal controls to prevent fighters and coaches from betting. Um, maybe in you know you could go as far as someone auditing, right? But the UFC has never really been that. And I don't know. I, I just, I, I feel like Kraus is the most exposed at the moment. I can't imagine UFC couldn't say like, Oh, he went rogue. Look at this memo. We sent out back in October. You know, we're free here. It's him. That's what would happen if things got dire, but yeah, I, I don't see them getting, super adversely affected if multiple coaches or multiple fighters start having the situation, right? If this comes up again, that's when the UFC could be in trouble. Um, if, if it's a constant thing, if you've got more and more large betting movement, close to fights, uh, fighters being injured, those leaking, that would be a huge problem. But this is a one-off situation as of right now. I think the UFC is okay here. Let me know your thoughts on this whole situation. If you were ever in James Krause's betting uh, Discord or you knew somebody that was, let me know that as well. It's a pretty interesting time. Uh, we're going to stay with this story, obviously, because of the ramifications for the business. Um, this is one of those scenarios where, again, you get to have whatever you want until somebody ruins it for you, so to speak, right? The old, we could have, uh, what is it? The, we could have alcohol in the break room after five till John got really drunk one night, right? Um, <laughs> that type of scenario. And then now we can't ever have it again. Um, this is one of those defining times, possibly. The UFC may really crack down on some things now, but we'll see. We, we will need to see how this all evolves. I also think it's going to be harder for it to pop up on the radar because the only way this popped up on the radar for most of the media, including myself, is because Miles Johns let this slip, right? So I'm sure, you know, again, you've got ESPN on top of it. I'll be looking out for a couple of things, but let me know if you hear anything as well because it may be from one of you that we hear the next update. It's It's that kind of close to the vest scenario. But yeah, crazy times, and and I think the UFC is safe here. But still, it's it's a precedent. It's a precedent that'll be said. All right. Next thing we have to talk about on the podcast today is comments from Endeavor's president Mark Shapiro regarding the UFC's streaming media rights renewal deal that is set to take place in about a year or so. So Shapiro attended a conference uh, hosted by RBC Capital Markets, which is a Wall Street firm and basically spoke about where UFC media rights were, what they're looking for in the next deal, that type of thing. 
couple quotes here from Sportico as well as uh, MMA News. Uh, quote, they love, which is Disney, love what it's done for ESPN and ESPN2, Shapiro said. They love that it's the anchor tenant of ESPN+. Plus. So we've talked about that multiple times where Disney's super thrilled with what the UFC has done for ESPN+. Plus. You had that initial event that pretty much doubled subscriber growth when ESPN plus launched back in 2019, which was Cejudo Dillashaw, I believe. And then, um, since then it's just been a main driver of subscribers on ESPN plus, and they've been able to retain a fair amount of those subscribers. It seems so ESPN Disney thrilled with what UFC media rights have done. Um, and, and again, UFC is happy with the deal. They're making, money hand over fist, but we always knew that they were going to ask for more, especially with Endeavor acquiring them outright. They need to pay down that 5.3, I think it is now, a billion dollar debt. Uh, Best way to do that is by pumping up those media rights deals with UFC because they're pretty much guaranteed revenue at this point. So Shapiro goes on to say um, that we're patient, quote, Sorry, we're quote, we're patient, Spiro said, uh, quote, the business is going strong. Margins are really strong. We see significant upside of all the ancillary businesses. We'd like to give it a little bit more time for the Amazons and the apples of the world to keep growing. Uh, we're really open minded. We're not going to just take the quick increase. We're going to maximize the real potential here. So we've heard. Ari Emanuel talk about the Amazon deal with one and kind of hint at Amazon, right? This seems to again, be like, Oh, the apples, the Amazons, we, you know, floating it out there. Shapiro goes on to say uh, that, you know, Netflix isn't really where people go for sports, but he did bring up Netflix, right. As a potential possibility. He, he mentioned them. So this is a very strategic move by endeavor and by shapiro this is one letting wall street know hey we are going to make more money yes that was obvious based on how well the usc rights are doing but also those keywords maximize potential growth right or maximize potential really that's signaling like we're not just looking for a bump in our top line revenue we're looking for that as well as partnerships and other adjacent revenue streams, which is what he was talking about with the ancillary businesses that can lead to even more windfall for us and, and increase our revenue from our sports owned properties, which is again, pretty much the UFC. There is PBR and the Euro basketball league. And I think uh, a baseball thing too now, unless, well, they sold some of that off, but either way, the UFC again is their big, you know, bread and butter. They're signaling we're not just looking for that quick grab. We want to build that ecosystem, which is what you constantly see. And I've talked about multiple times um, where companies nowadays want to project that they're building an ecosystem with not just one product, but a whole range of products that all fit together in synergies and yada, 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 big business where it's ultimately they're selling. We look at this giant thing we've created. It's worth way more money than you think. That's really the sell. Why is it worth way more money when you think? Well, it's not just 
UFC. It's also VIP on location experiences and it's also NFTs, which, well, they don't mention those anymore, but it's also uh, merchandise and Blixer, the official jeweler of the UFC. And it's right. And you just keep going and going and going. And with all these things, I mean, come on, like this is worth way more than what you initially thought. That's really what all of this is. That's what every business does. It's not just Endeavor or the UFC. That's any growing conglomerate is trying to sell and pitch that. This is their way of signaling that. And the fact that they're now mentioning Amazon, Apple, and Netflix, and these really just pure streaming sites, which ESPN is getting there, but it's still very much a cable network, right? And then they've got ESPN Plus, but everybody's going the way of, of cutting the cord Disney ESPN plus all of that is, is no different. They're mentioning some of Disney's biggest rivals because ultimately they want a bidding war, right? They didn't mention going back to a cable network like Fox or uh, they didn't mention Peacock who yes, is, is a streaming service, but, and we've seen, WWE get a really good deal with them, but they're not trying to go back to cable. They're, they're not just saying, Oh, we want to go to, you know, whoever pays us the highest. They're specifically calling out who Disney is trying to challenge with Disney plus Hulu and ESPN plus. Right. And I don't think it's a coincidence again, that Shapiro mentions the F one series on Netflix and saying, well, Netflix is trying to get there. Essentially putting in the back of Disney executives minds like, oh, right. These guys are going after live sports. You've got Apple doing baseball games. You've got Amazon doing one championship and looking to probably go after something else. Quite possibly the UFC come come when their media rights deal is up. This is all just kind of the kind of strategy where you have the open door policy that says we can easily talk about renewals now because we're current partners. But keep in mind, we want a really sweet deal. Make no mistake, despite what Shabiro says, if Disney comes back and says, like, look, we'll more than double your rights, we'll give you a bunch of great promotional inputs here, 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 develops a plan that blows the UFC and Endeavor away, they'll take that deal, right? They they won't hesitate to. Because again, the devil you know, and if they're making a big overture saying, we want you here, paying you the money you want, giving you a lot of opportunity and side partnerships and deals and building out again, that ecosystem, which is what Endeavor wants, that visibility, then of course they'll take it. But they're essentially signaling that to Disney that you've got to do that. You can't just come back and say, hey, okay, we really enjoyed working together. We love these rights. Here's another, you know, 50 to 100% increase on your media rights deal. It can't just be that. Now, once the deal expires and the rights are up for grabs and the UFC is tested on the market, then it certainly could. But right now, the perception is, We've got strong margins. We've got guaranteed revenue. People are turning in. We're, we're crushing, you know, numbers and all this other stuff. Look at what we did for ESPN+. Plus. You're still very sweet on us because of what we were able to do for you. Let's just get a deal done now. 
Let's just talk about what we got to do to get a deal done now. Otherwise, that's fine, but we'll take it on the road and see what everybody else is. And then it becomes a game of negotiation and leverage and all that fun stuff. That's what this is. This is one giant ploy from Endeavor that says, look, we can we can lock this up right now if you give us exactly what we want and not just an increase. We want some, sounds like we want some <laughs> plugins for some of your other businesses, uh, you know, whether that's, you got, I guess, Power Slap League or whatever. Uh, Power Slap now, Dana White's thing on TBS, right? Um, whether it's something like that on a Hulu thing where you've got tie-ins of UFC fighters doing shows or being promoted in certain ways. I mean, list goes on and on about how you could kind of create these crossover brand partnerships. That's what Endeavor is signaling. Like, let's do some of that. Put that as part of the deal. And give us a really good offer and we're done. Otherwise, we we hold the keys to the kingdom. We're doing super well. We know we'll have appetite. So we're okay to sit back and say, hey, if we don't like your deal, that's cool. We're going to go test everybody else. You have to impress us, not the other way around. That's what this really signals. So not a coincidence that both Shapiro and Emmanuel have mentioned, you know, Amazon, some other streaming services and kind of kept the door open, so to speak. Uh, but depending on how the economic climate changes, right, this might also be kind of a ploy where, hey, we see down the road things are about to get cloudy. Things are really nice right now. Let's let's lock this up. Might be a little bit of urgency internally on the UFC side and Endeavor side for that. Of Hey, before, you know, things hit the proverbial fan here, let's let's just iron this out so we're good, right? Um that could be part of it. it. It's hard to say. That's part of the negotiation and, and the, the tactics. Is it a bluff? Is it? I, you never know with this stuff, but it, it's definitely a signal to Disney. This is all a big signal to Disney. That's that's definitely the bottom line. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you'd prefer to see the UFC back on ESPN+. Plus. If you'd like to see them somewhere else, where would you want to see them? Amazon, Apple TV, Netflix? Let me know. That's that's a really interesting question I want to hear from you guys. Where outside of ESPN Plus do you want to see UFC fights? Let me know. All right, time for our quick hit section here. First up, MMA will be back on CBS February 4th, 2023 for the first time since Strike Force when Bellator hosts an event uh, rematch between Fedor Emelianenko and Ryan Bader. Does it signal that CBS is more committed to MMA than we thought as of late with kind of the lack of marketing for some of the Bellator cards and Showtime? I think it's a big deal. I think it's partial test run, but also is, I would say it's enough of a signal to at least show their interest, right? I'm not going to say their commitment because if this thing tanks where like viewership is just awful, I don't think they'll keep doing it, but they are committed enough at least to give it a shot. And they have enough interest in MMA as part of their portfolio since the Viacom CBS merger that they're, they're pushing it for the first time we've seen since the merger, we've talked about their lack of marketing for some of their Bellator cards that were huge. This is a step in the right direction if you believe that MMA will be part of your programming going forward. So 
we'll see. I'll be watching. I'm sure a lot of you will too, but yeah, uh, be interesting to see what the ratings are on that one. Um, UFC 281 did $138,000 across 180 theaters, according to our good friend, Jed I Goodman. So with a lot of these, uh, UFC pay-per-views as well as, um, wrestling pay-per-views and such, we've seen a lot of, of theaters now host these events as theaters are still reeling from the pandemic. Cause that's really hurt their numbers compared to what they used to do. Um, 138,000 across 180. I don't have other numbers to compare it to, but that's still, I mean, that's not a, a great, I think it's like $700 a theater or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't think that's great, right? If you're going to have something across all of those theaters and it only generates 700 bucks per theater, I, that, you know, at least in terms of ticket sales, that is, I'm sure there's, you know, concessions and all that on top of it but i i do not feel like that's a huge success hard to say compared to what they're looking for though yeah, i'm gonna look more into that but that's an interesting tidbit that that did pop up uh speaking of ufc 281 israel adesanya was on the record stating that he thought that it did at least a million pay-per-view buys um or in that range i highly doubt that but maybe i'm wrong uh, i gave my prediction last week i think i said 350 or 400 something like that um yeah I, I i don't know this especially with the way pay-per-view buys have been going and how expensive it was i don't know about that one i'll keep an eye out for any confirmation there but the fact we haven't seen any confirmation yet uh, and it's been over a week leads me to believe that numbers were not definitely not a million because disney would be touting that big time that would be something they would Again, shout from the rooftops, just like they did uh, when McGregor versus Cerrone did over a million. They, they talked about it on the investor call. That's what Disney will do. Um, I'm sure Endeavor would have brought it up as well, to be honest. So don't think it did a million, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, last but not least, we have an update in the UFC antitrust case. So it, it's been a while, uh, but... Essentially, Judge Boulware was waiting for a appeal of a tuna, uh, a case involving tuna and antitrust, which is a whole nother thing. I'm not going to get into that case, but that uh, has been denied by the Supreme Court. So that decision is done. Boulware no longer has to wait for that decision. Hopefully we can get a written certification um, before the end of the year. I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm going to say q1 of 2023 would be great but least as of right now there should be no more barriers as to bullware writing his written uh class certification which he indicated he would do verbally he could technically change his mind but seems like he's going to certify the class and we'll finally get to the next stage uh in the ufc antitrust lawsuit so let me know if i missed anything on quick hits um oh one actually you know what added quick hit note that happened right before i got on here bob eager is now the new ceo of disney so bob Chapek is out eager is back in if you remember eager was the former ceo uh, when the espn ufc rights occurred he left during the pandemic and now kind of, you know, out of nowhere is the CEO or back into CEO. Once again, 
this is a developing story. I'm not sure what's happened there. I'm going to look into it. How it will affect the UFC going forward, I don't think it'll make that much of a difference, honestly. Um, except maybe he will be more aggressive in renewal of their streaming rights. But I don't know. It, it's definitely a wild time over at Disney. That's did not see that coming. Huge, huge reinstatement of a former uh, big name there. So let me know if I missed any other quick hits. But yeah, that's that's all we got for this week for the holiday. All right. Last thing we need to talk about on the podcast today is the current fragility of the UFC cards. So last weekend, uh, Derek Lewis was pulled mid card due to an undisclosed illness and unable to fight Sergei Spivak made event is off. That led to Kennedy Ninjukwe. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, versus Ayan Kutilaba as your main event. There is no way that should have been a main event in 2022. A lot of hardcore fans pissed off. A lot of people in general pissed off. And one has to begin to wonder, especially with people saying on social media they're tuning out or this is ridiculous. Are hardcore fans starting to be turned off enough by these low quality cards that they're actually not watching? Right? This is purposeful, by the way, right? These weak cards. UFC has been doing this transition for a bit since the pandemic um, in order to help cut costs. You've got a huge pay-per-view like UFC 281 that is stacked, and we get those. We get the the pay-per-views or the big fight night cards that are, some are stacked, some are at least kind of top-heavy, right? And then you've got the Apex cards where you've got a big main event, maybe a co-main or a prelim that's interesting, and then a lot of new contender series guys. And that's part of the reason the UFC is currently making as much profit as they are, right? This is where they're getting part of their margins for. They are cutting these veterans who might not be ranked or might be, you know, on 15 or something. But generally, I would say out of the rankings, but have name value. And they're cutting them because they cost far more than the contender series alum who came straight out of the feeder leagues, fresh off the feeder leagues, rather that's huge for them. And, and it's a purposeful thing, right? This is, this is all about cutting costs. UFC has vaguely alluded to this. Endeavor has pretty much said it on their earnings call. They're looking to increase revenue through partnerships, the UFC, which we've talked about sponsorships and partnerships all year long and then cutting costs, which has been fighters, especially fighters that have been around that have a name, but aren't going to make a title run or aren't drawing enough, you know, fan attention that they're not seeing the numbers they like through whatever metrics they're using. They're not worth keeping around. Instead, they're out the door. Dana White contender series alum. Here you go. Do not forget that first episode of this past season of the contender series where Dana White was like, we're not giving out these contracts easy. I think he gave out one contract. It was a whole thing. And then he proceeded to give out contracts pretty much to everybody the rest of the season. Right. That was definitely a show. (laughs) And again, smart business tactic, right? Put that perception out there up front. And then people are going to forget about how many contracts were given out over the course of the season. There you go. 
why is the UFC doing this? Other than cost. Why do they think this will work, rather? I'm going to give you a situation I feel like most of us can relate to in the business world. Um, doesn't matter if you're white collar or you're retail, blue collar, what have you. I feel like a lot of us can relate to this, right? Say you're working on a team of five and you've got, you know, things are going well, what have you, but company may want to downsize or increase growth or, you know, it's warning about all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. You've got a team of five and you've got a senior guy on the team who he's been around for 15 years, 10, 15 years. Um, not going to make manager doesn't want management or, or he, that opportunity kind of passed him by, but he's really good at, let's say, you know, project management, right? Let's say my, my world, he's a really good project, senior project manager. And he's on a team internally of five. Now, let's say they go ahead and say, yeah, it's great. You've, you've gotten these salary bumps, these increases, these increasing benefits, but we're going to have to let you go. Sorry, it's tough. We're going to lay you off. It's it's rough. And then they either don't backfill him, right, and spread all of his work across to you guys, and they say we'll backfill him eventually, but they never really do, or they do when times get better, so to speak, but they do it with a brand new guy. How many times have you seen somebody who's older or more tenured but not really management track or, you know, progressing at the level where he's not, they're not a superstar. They're not in, indispensable or the company doesn't think they're indispensable. Then they hire new people and essentially have them train their replacement and then cut them. I feel like a lot of us have seen that at least once, right? Um, I've seen it multiple times. It sucks. And the whole reason they do it again is, they want to cut them so they can bring in people cheaper. Now, it depends on the industry, right? Because uh, keep in mind, in, in the tech industry, you're going to have way more senior people because if you're newer, you can jump ship more and get more money. Whereas senior people, you just get a modest increase in salary. And so it actually saves people money. At least that's what we've seen over tech for a while. But I mean, retail, right? There, there are so many places where this happens, where... Yeah, you've been around a long time. You're an asset to the company, but we don't view you as indispensable. Or new management comes in and says, great, like, company's bought, company sold. New management comes in and says, well, okay. I want to see how many people we've got that are making X amount of dollars. Okay, they're making this. Okay, can we train somebody else to do that? Or can we split that job to two other people at lower pay? We can, great, we're going to do it. Happens all the time, not just MMA, but that's the equivalent of what they're doing right now is they're doing the old, Hey, so-and-so you've been here 10 years. You're, you know, the old man on the team. Uh, here's the new guy. We want you to train him as a backup for you in case something goes wrong. And then one day you open your email, old man and oops. Yeah. You've been laid off or fired. Sorry. It's rough, but don't worry. You trained, trained young Billy over there. He's, he's going to be fine. We'll, we'll be all right. It's it's an old style tactic. It's it's been seen less as of late, especially if again, if you're in tech, that's the complete opposite. They want to keep you around if you're senior because jump ship to to raise your rates is just how it goes. But in a lot of other industries, right, that's 
that's the norm, unfortunately. Like ageism is definitely a thing. They don't want to pay your retirement benefits. They don't want to pay, especially if you're trying to get a pension. If you're a private company, if you're working for a private company with a pension and you're older and you're not on a management track, you're probably in trouble because they don't want you working there that many years to keep drawing from it, right? It, it's, yeah. But that's what the UFC is doing here. Now, the fighters aren't training their new replacements, right? But, I mean, they're essentially, UFC is going out, finding these guys that will fight for a lot less money and then sticking them into cards like we saw last night. Right? That's that's how it is. And they're going to keep doing that. Especially with pay-per-view buys down and especially if the economic downturn hits like everybody's predicting next year, they will do a lot of that. They'll keep enough names around, but yeah, it, it's going to be barren, which means if your your main event falls out, well, you're in trouble. And then you'll they'll be scrambling to ju just like in other industries, right? Uh, you whittle down the team to one person who actually knows what they're doing. They're out sick or they leave or something happens. And all of a sudden, oh, we need to hire the consultant. Like, we'll pay you a consultant fee to come back in. I mean, we're seeing this with Twitter, right? Like Elon Musk cuts a bunch of employees, then figures out, whoops, we need some of these guys. We want to hire you back or we'll pay you as a consultant. This happens all the time, all the time. This is that scenario. And in fighting, it's it's a Kevin Holland's uh, Chemayev fiasco, right? Where everything falls apart and then they get a new event together. They get paid, according to Holland. I mean, yeah, they renegotiate things. Uh, that's what James Krause was really good at doing is stepping up late notice <laughs> to step in, renegotiate contracts, get more money. That's the, that's the equivalent here. It's just like when you've whittled down a critical team to one or two people, they quit or they're sick, and then you have to end up paying them or somebody else that used to work there as a consultant to save your butt. Same scenario, but it's not going to stop, right? They'll go as lean as they possibly can because they want to get those costs down. Will hardcore fans be turned off enough? I don't know. That's what I want to ask you guys, because I know a lot of you are hardcore fans. Are you starting to tune off cards? Because if you lose the hardcore fan base, that's a huge problem, right? Yes, you're always trying to get new casual fans and customer acquisition. Top of the funnel, right, is always huge, huge part of any business model. But repeat customers are also the lifeblood of a business. Any industry will tell you that. You're always looking for new acquisition and top of the funnel. And yes, you want to get them down. But getting people to come back and continually paying you, that is your lifeblood. That's how you survive. If they start putting on cards that are so bad, so consistently that hardcore fans are tuning out, then they have a problem. Then all of a sudden their media rights deal with ESPN goes a very different way. Their their profit goes down. Endeavor still has to pay off that debt. It becomes a much, much harder hill to climb. They're flirting with it with some of these cards, I would argue. I think this past one, especially when they lost Lewis and Spivak mid card, so they couldn't really do anything to, to step it up. That's That's a bit of a warning sign, in my opinion. But let me know especially if you're a hardcore fan watching all of these cards, if 
you begrudgingly watched it, if you said, no, I'm good, if you will continue to watch it, if they this keeps happening, because that's really, again, the key. That's the danger here the UFC is playing with in terms of fire. I don't think they're anywhere near it impacting them yet, but if they keep doing this, if this keeps happening, uh, it's a problem. So let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because, yeah, it, cards are, are watered down when they're not... Uh, not on pay-per-views anymore. Big fight nights. Apex cards are getting getting rough. All right, everybody. That wraps up this episode of the Fight Business Podcast. I will be off uh, this next week for Thanksgiving. Got some family coming in and some other house fun I got to deal with. But appreciate you guys for listening. Sorry this was late, but hope it was worth it. Let me know any topics you want me to cover. I will do a holiday special around Christmas. Just not doing it for Thanksgiving. Um, have a good holidays. If you celebrate, if you don't, if it's not your holiday, just have a good week in general anyway. And until next time, get money.